0: Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. Today on the show is Cork-based artist Elaine Malone, who released her long-awaited debut album Pyrrhic in September. I've been lucky enough to see Elaine a lot over the years, from her first couple of gigs to her really finding her sound. Her debut single You came out in February 2018, and she's developed so much as an artist since then. I think even the first listen through the debut album will tell you that. Because of COVID and me moving to Dublin in 2020, it had been a while since I saw Elaine again. That finally came to an end when she supported Lancome in Vicar Street in May 2023. And holy moly, she blew me away. I thought she was absolutely amazing. It was a full band performance and it was just stunning. You'll hear me drooling about my baby's dead to Elaine in due course, but that was the highlight of that support slot. The interview is a track-by-track run-through of Pyrrhic and Elaine's journey to date, featuring the talents of longtime collaborator Sam Clague from Crying Loser and the dynamic rhythm section of James Christie from The Bonk and Rory Dale, who you probably know from a lot of bands, particularly in Cork, over the years. Pyrrhic was recorded in Cork City in December 2021 by Cahill McGowan of The Altered Hours and was mixed by Sam Clague. This interview with Elaine was over Zoom in December as she was in the midst of supporting the Mary Wallopers around Ireland. But Elaine has some gigs coming up as well. She's playing the NCH as part of the Metronome Concert Series with RF Chaney, who was on the TPOE podcast recently. That gig is on March 21st. Elaine is playing with her other band Pot Pot at Crane Lane in Cork on Thursday, this Thursday, February 8th. And they're in Bellobar in Dublin a couple of days later on Saturday, February 10th. You can buy Pyrrhic at elainemalone.bancamp.com, and here she is on the Point of Everything podcast. So we're talking a few months on from the release of Pyrrhic. It came out in September. How does it feel actually having a full album out in the world, a real physical thing that you can buy on vinyl? Does it feel a little bit different than before?
1: Um, Like I'd had tapes put out and stuff before with uh, with Mantua and having an actual vinyl is a kind of a different beast again because it's like... You can see yourself in the grooves, you know, Um, it's pretty, like, it's pretty amazing. The idea that still, you know, I love that violence kind of exists so strongly at the moment as a, as a method, because like, it's just like there's something very permanent about it, especially in a very digital age, that we have like a physical object to kind of encapsulate a few years of work or something, like it is a beautiful thing
0: did you think that oh yeah i do actually want to put this out on record rather than like just tape
1: yeah for sure yeah um i think it kind of like that i like to listen to vinyl at home you know like it's kind of it's a nicer way of sitting with something and i think you know because like the idea of albums has changed a lot over the over the last couple of I suppose the last decade really if anything, because I suppose we live in a really singles kind of world now, especially with streaming and stuff. That like a side A and a side B, you know, like and the album was really uh the track listing was designed specifically to be a side A and a side B. So like it is it is a vinyl it like, you know, it was conceived of with that in mind, you know.
0: Was there kind of like a grand idea maybe behind the actual album itself? So
1: Well, like so when we were recording, um we just kind of did it as a batch in a row. And then when it comes to actually putting like a track listing in mind, Rory Dale, who plays bass in my band as well, um, he's brilliant. Like he's got a great head for uh like conceptualizing things like set lists and track listing and stuff because I'm I'm a bit too um, a bit too involved or something to have a good notion of w- the way things should go so like Rory was great like he was just like I think this should be the last song on side A you know and then it'll go into this and then I think it makes more sense thematically or something and I was like so it was good to have him as a as a touchstone for that
0: Tell me about the album cover as well because first like when you're looking on you know on your phone or on Spotify or something it looks very old it looks kind of maybe how some people would say the album sounds like kind of a little bit 60s it looks black and white uh, it looks like a woman in the bushes and then it's only when you zoom in that I realize oh it's actually Elaine Malone in the bushes. Was <laughs> uh, Tell me about uh, the, the photo shoot for this one.
1: So um, it was with Celeste Burden who I work with a lot and um, she's incredibly talented photographer based in Cork. Um I think a lot of people are familiar with her work now. Um but basically uh I'm very hungover that morning of course, <laughs> always for photo shoots. That was a best time. And uh we we went up to the Glen and it's like the Glen is a park in in the north side of the Park near where I live and it's like um it's like an old glacial river valley. And it's just astoundingly beautiful. And I would have spent a lot of time there during the pandemic um, going for walks and kind of like and then I listened to a lot of mixes for that for this album up there so I think that place was kind of where I used to go and kind of contemplate you know <laughs> and, um, we were, like in the winter time so it would have been October I think it goes on 22 I suppose yeah when we oh no December maybe where we when we took the photograph and um, it's just like when the when the autumn comes and the ferns start to turn, they go kind of this rusty colour and it's incredibly beautiful. It's just like it becomes this really drastically alien environment um, up there. And I just kind of knew that that was where I wanted to try. Because, like you know, I had a few notions of, like, a few little things of, that were inspiring to me when I was thinking about the concept for the artwork, that, like, like the idea of just... The magnitude of nature and the kind of the insignificance of a small like a person within it you know like some of the other photographs from are like kind of from great distances and just kind of like me far away in the distance and um and like the use of like like a veil as well i suppose i think that, you know like a small bit of um like kind of discomfort with like using your own image i think or like you know i kind of purposely didn't put my name on the front of it because it's kind of don't want the name to be important or something, you know, that it just can be itself and it doesn't matter who made it. Like, I sh- I'm kind of insignificant to the, its creation of something. And the same even with, like, making t-shirts. I kind of didn't want my name on them. <laughs> you know, I might try and release some of the photographs from that shoot because there's some really beautiful ones that the took just of the area um, and, like, the drasticness of it is just
0: yeah an underrated part of cork as well isn't it oh
1: my god like i I didn't know about it i've been here for how many years and i didn't know about it until like three years ago and there's like a great swing up there as well like a rope swing hanging up in oak tree it's just very whimsical until the children come and ask you to get off it
0: (laughs) (laughs) damn kids yeah (laughs) we might talk through uh the tracks on the album and we'll touch on various bits and pieces as we go through it if that's okay with you we'll start off with the opening song of course open season kind of a really fun song really slow build and then it gets rolling in the second half uh it was recorded by Cottle mcgowan from altered hours did he have a lot of input or was he just kind of there almost as a sounding board tell me about his input into uh pyrrhic
1: um, Carl is great. Um, we produced the record ourselves as a band, really, and uh Carl was was their kind of engineering and just like a good toadstone for like he's got like, like really great taste, is what I would describe Carl like you know. Um, and I recorded the first version of My Baby's Dead with him a couple of years ago as so well, and I was just kind of knew he'd be the right head for for this as well it's, like specifically like I love how our records, sound in general, you know. So he was good for, like, thinking about mic placement and everything. And just, like, we recorded it live pretty much in, in one room. And uh, over the course of, like, three days. So we did the nine tracks or whatever. So, like, that was kind of, um, like, a good spurt of work. So we had everything figured out really, like, specifically before we went in, you know, because it was, like, we have three days to do it. Um, So, like he's just great he's a great set of ears to have as well just you know really really great to have around like the author and dinner are just like huge inspiration in in quark for a lot of people and like particularly like when i moved down first i would have just been completely in awe of, and then how do you like sit down <laughs> you <know? laughs>
0: So you recorded all of the tracks in three days. Looking back, is it, can you remember specific things or does it all blur into one loud living room that you were in?
1: It was good. It was kind of like we'd had, I don't know, maybe I'm because I'm an incredibly impatient person and I, I'm i just kind of like, okay, we'll, we'll get it done. Like, we'll get it done, you know? Then, like, we'll fly through it. At one point, we, we started doing this take of my baby's dead and, like, we were... Like it was, I, I'm like no shadow of a doubt. It was so cooking. It just felt amazing. About like, twenty seconds in, it, like felt absolutely shit hot doing it, and then <laughs> the power went. <laughs> <I know. laughs> and then suddenly, called was in the control room next to us. You know, and whatever uh, the talk back mic had, like that wasn't working. So we were talking to Carl. We're like, "Are you okay? Are you okay, you know? Just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, you know, and the lights were gone. Like everything wiped, You know, and um we were like we we're just like okay that we thought that was the take you know we if you had that 20 seconds of magic you know we just like no <laughs> those things are signs as well uh, you know that's like no you didn't
0: have it did you record kind of in sequence as well like is open caesar the first one that you got down like tick onto track two
1: no actually um i can't even i couldn't even tell you what what order we recorded in because it was like december 2021
0: Oh, wow. So almost exactly a year ago that we're talking. Two years ago. Two years ago. Sorry, uh, sorry. Yeah,
1: actually December, yeah. Um, fuck, that, saves um, <laughs> I remember I had a bad mullet at the time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you're remembering all of the bad parts. The power, the, mullet, the power went power off. Going. I had a mullet. Well, maybe <laughs> maybe the mullet was great. I don't know.
2: <laughs>
1: I got it right before my brother's wedding as well. So like that's there forever and family photographs now. So. <laughs> It was passing just like because the way we recorded, uh, like live, pretty much like the the only things that were overdubbed were bass arnis and um some vocals as well while we were there, and then just a small bit of extra percussion and stuff at home because like Sam played mixed the album, um, in our house. So like we were we were kind of able to just like if we were really thinking about something, they were like, oh, we should have, we really should have done that. You know um we were able to just kind of like add extra there's some kind of sleigh bells on uh, moon Tread that i was initially resistant to having <laughs> but then was quickly com- like converted to this kind of like it added a very stew energy um that i was like i oh, actually fuck it now you're right that was good
0: <laughs> uh you mentioned sam clay there i have him uh as a question around track number two dark rooms got really nice guitars i think it's you and him playing off each other on guitars to start off with he's been a long time collaborator with you what's the is it just like an almost innate uh working relationship that you have with each other after working together for so many years
1: pretty much like like we live together and we've known each other we're trying to figure out how long we know each other for more than 10 years sam's still a when we first met our thing is very like it's just I find it easier, I don't know how easy Sam finds it but um, like whenever I kind of come to him with stuff, it's just very safe but like I just trust Sam implicitly. Like anyone that plays with him knows how virtuosic he is. He's just a freak like and it's so astounding to see the stuff that comes out of him and then I forget sometimes and I'll go watch him play a gig of someone else's music like Jesus Christ sounds very good isn't
2: he?
1: <laughs> but like they feel like he's studying classical flute now I think because we were kind of joking that Sam finished guitar you know like he just <laughs> <comes into> it <laughs> so like yeah it's so it was kind of I probably wouldn't even be recording music if it wasn't for Sam because like when I was kind of just figuring out the songs that kind of ended up on land the, the, the first EP I would have like when I listen back to that now it seems so um, I was like a less self deprecating word than naive but there's a tone of like I find them very uh, earnest or something. Or too hard on the sleeve maybe. And like Sam was really just very encouraging. He was like, I wanna record your songs, you know? And he was like, I wanna do some more producing so like let's just do that together and we did. And it's brilliant to just have that support always, because like now that we're touring a lot and we play so many gigs together, it's just great to have people that you feel really safe with and just trust and like get to make music with as well. Like it's very. I feel very lucky to have them um, to have met him in the first place, you know, because like his mark is all over this, you know.
0: How did you develop from, say, those first or those early tracks like your debut single you came out in early 2018 do you feel completely different um in in relation to this album as opposed to that maybe that there's about three years difference i guess in terms of when they would have been recorded
1: well like just the difference of just playing constantly for you know a lot of that time and just making more like Like, just getting a bit more comfortable in myself as a songwriter, maybe. Um, Like, the difference of playing alone on an acoustic guitar is what... And that was what I did for, you know, since I was, like, 15 or 16 or whatever. And then actually writing because you have an, an idea about playing with a band or, like, that you can just be like, oh, cool, I can have drums on this. You know, I can have bass player on this. You know, like, then writing specifically for that. Like, that's the... The main difference and getting older too, you know, like you just be mature as a person and like your ideas are more consolidated or something, you know. Whereas like some of the songs i land I wrote when I was a teenager, you know, and I'm 29 now, A different person, you know, and I think it's great that like, thankfully, uh, so few people listen to that first EP that it's <laughs> actually, um, it's not even that important or something that like you can change your style of things you know because like you know everyone's constantly changing and moving and you have to kind of develop and mature into different sounds sometimes and you know the next record could be like fucking 80s since like do you know what I mean it might be completely different again and it's like and that's my business you know (laughs) (laughs) I have no responsibility to to anyone to be consistent you know
0: at the start did you think that it was just going to be a solo project and then it did become a band like I think that you think of Pyrrhic as very much a band record even though it's well even though your name isn't on the cover it's there uh, maybe on the back or on the side.
1: I never had any ambitions or notions that it would be this or that you know there was never like a I am a solo artist you know it was just kind of I started writing songs and then I just like, I would really like this to sound like this. You know what I mean? And then, fortunately, had the had some brilliant people around me like Jimmy Christie and Rory and Sam to, you know, to play so fucking beautifully on it. And, you know, like, I feel like at the our record. You know, I know it's my name and that, like, but it just feel like our record. I love playing that style of music you know I love loud guitars and I love fugues and I love like you know that's what I listen to a lot you know I want to emulate that kind of work you know as best as I can but yeah it's funny it's kind of like I often still write very quiet folk songs and kind of try to figure out a place for those and then like having Mantua as well is like another place to put ideas you know and it's kind of like there's more band songs there's more quiet songs and like maybe they'll be released another way at some point but we'll see
0: Moon Tread is track number three you told the thin air that i this is a lengthy quote so you can you can sit back and relax and take in your own words uh i get called a singer songwriter a lot but i've never considered myself a singer songwriter I feel like for a lot of women, that can be a kind of infantilizing and disparaging thing that women tend to get called a lot. I try to be a musician. I don't know if I would class myself as anything other than somebody who tries to make music. I guess we've already kind of touched on some ideas of what you're talking about then. But the idea of the you know singer-songwriter, quote-unquote, being infantilizing, what do you mean by that?
1: Like... How many people that go under their own name make stuff that isn't just quiet guitar music? Do you know what I mean? Like quiet acoustic guitar music. And it's like, I just think women in general in music are just kind of, there's an assumption made if it's like a name maybe that that's what you are. Or they will try and book you as a solo act even though you're like, well, no, I am. I come with the band, you know. Or like there's an assumption that you can just be a solo thing. Um you know, and there's kind of like, I don't know, you guys just end up having to like validate your work a bit differently as a woman or if anyone of any marginalized gender, you know, in general, like there is like a lot more obstacles to face, I think, and it's more like very um it's more subtle than just out and out sexism sometimes you know um but yeah i just i just kind of find it a bit lazy when i get called singer-songwriter because i'm not like you know
0: yeah it's it's just like they see the name and they just kind of presume
1: guitar oh my god yeah
0: yeah is that something that's still happening now i mean i saw i've seen you a couple of times since you released the album and it has always been with the band is that something that you're very um like uh uh like set on it's like if you're booking me for a sports slot or for a gig or anything it's not just elaine malone you're getting it is a full band
1: well like to be honest like i the songs are written in a way that i want them to be presented as close to how i recorded them and if i had a band name there would be no issue with it being presented that way do you know what i mean if i literally just change the name people wouldn't think about it probably but um like I've, I think I've done maybe one or two maximum solo shows in the last three or four years, and like I supported Bob Mould and Clark recently, and on my own. And I kind of like I, as an exercise, I kind of just wanted to see, um, and try out some new songs on a big PA and just you know just do play a bit of noise in front of people, and just uh, <laughs> that was kind of that was an interesting one as well. But I, I suppose like the sense of comfort that I have when I play with the band is is remarkable because it's like you have you have your crew and you have a backup and you know you feel safer that you can you know you can fuck up and like it's not as obvious <laughs> if there's other people playing but so.
0: what songs were you doing supporting bob mold on your own was it the the folky tracks that you were that you say that you've been writing or was it um maybe these songs that are off pyrrhic or or maybe potential future ones
1: I did, um, I think I just did like kind of a very slow v- version of My Baby's Day. And then I just, I did a couple of new tracks that are very kind of, they're kind of country-ish, sounds. And then, well, I just, I played my 12 string and I just kind of made it incredibly distorted and stuff. And it was kind of nice to just hear it through in that room, you know. And it's an interesting way of finding out if new songs are kind of, if they work or not. Because like, uh, not regarding audience reaction or not, but just kind of like how they flow in front of other people or something.
0: That sounds like something that comes with confidence, I'm guessing. I mean, I'm imagining like a new artist starting out like, oh, I just want to see what the songs sound like in front of a crowd. And if you if you realize like halfway through, oh God, this, this isn't working <laughs> at all, how <laughs> yeah. do I get to the end of it? But mm. if, I, I don't know whether you felt like that while you were playing that support slot with bob mold but i guess are you more confident is there an inherent confidence that you have now from like playing lot playing so many gigs and playing with so many people over the years that you've got now
1: I, Well, I, I suppose it just becomes more familiar you know it's like anything do you know I think it, it is work at the end of the day you know like as much as it is like beautiful and whimsical, like playing music you know, it really is like, like magic but then it is a job sometimes so it's like when you just learn how to be a bit more present in yourself and like I used to come off stage crying and things you know like when I first started out like I just cried such bad stage right and now I I still get incredibly nervous and stuff and having rituals before I go on but it is it just feels a bit easier now than it used to and I think that's just through, like, habit and reputation that you do. You just get more comfortable being on stage and not worrying as much, maybe, about um, if people really like it or not, you know. You can't be expecting people to love you just because you're on stage, you know. You have to earn that that respect, you know. So it's like, you know, if I can do it and have a good time, I just came garden quotes. I think about sometimes. Just it's like you know, people pay to see you believe in yourself. Um, so that's like an important thing I think for performance is that like, while you're up there, you were you were you've made it kind of a verbal contract with with your audience that you are going to perform, and you know, at least pretend you're having a good time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Track number four is called A Hunger. The shortest song on the album at just less than two and a half minutes. Was this a fun one to make? It sounds like it was a rollicking version.
1: That was kind of like it's actually inspired a lot by um Song for Karen by Sonic Youth Tunic, that one. I think I've been reading a lot about the Carpenters and Karen Carpenter, particularly at the time. And I think well that's so that song is pretty much for her. I don't think I've said that before, but I'm Thinking about her a lot, and I don't even like the Carpenters that much. Oh, I like I like superstar and stuff, but like I like her as a person is very important. I think that to- the Todd Haynes uh, Barbie film, I Have you seen that one? Yeah, um, no,
0: I haven't. No, not yet.
1: Oh, man. It's on YouTube, I think. Um, it's basically like he did a biopic of Karen Carpenter with Barbies, um, and it's kind of like a student film that he made. And it's um it's really disturbing, and beautiful, and um, sort of watching. I think the the stage suit him afterwards, but um, it's brilliant. <laughs> it's such a tragic life, you know.
0: And now we're on to my baby's dead redux, which you've mentioned once or twice. Um, you released a version of this in summer 2019. Very straight up rock and roll version. I saw you supporting Lancome at Fricker Street earlier in 2023. And it was the first time I think that I had heard this version that you do. Very, uh, I don't know how you would describe it, kind of almost a loungier version. Very laid back was this. And this is the version then that we hear on the album was this uh one that went through loads and loads of like walks through the glen trying to figure out oh what is the right version of my baby's dead that i want
1: i think it kind of started as a joke maybe in practice because we've 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 been we do like double time versions of it sometimes um but like the yeah the countryside kind of roadhouse vibe of it yeah i literally think that it started as a joke (laughs) <laughs> um, and then I was like fuck there's actually better
0: <laughs> it you just know? takes what what is it is it just it takes somebody to say uh this is a joke but also it's really good is it just somebody saying like actually lads i think we have something here
1: oh i, I literally think it's like jimmy christie swing you know and <laughs> and it was just like he's a fucking great drummer. jesus um. Yeah, I think it's like kind of like the idea of like starting you like kind of a gunshot or something at the start as well. And it's like, um, yeah. genuinely I think could have been a Jimmy Christie joke and that became uh permanent, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and like he named open season as well, actually, just because of that free part, you know, uh, middle section thing. He was like, because he was like, it's open season now, lads, you know. <laughs> <laughs> when it goes into that, ever yeah, deeply unserious serious <laughs>
0: As mentioned, I saw you supporting Lancome uh, earlier in 2023. Was that a, a fun gig to do in Vicker Street? Does it stand out?
1: Yeah, that that, that was a big one. Um, like my folks came to that one as well. That was um, that was a nice kind of like here we are, like to play with people that fucking really really admire. And um, like Lancome always completely just lower me when I see them. Um, really just kind of an outstanding moment in time of just like watching a band like that like that are absolutely at the peak of their powers you know and and the command that they have yeah that was that was a great honor you know to to open for them uh, and to play a stage like that you know the Street is big I, like I'd been the only time I'd been there previously was to see like Grinderman. I think that I had finished my leaving cert.
0: Ooh, what a gig!
1: Uh, yeah, I think there's about ten women there, um, the whole thing. But um, but yeah, yeah, it's so that, that was kind of like a funny like full circle moment of just being like, "I saw the cave here." <laughs> no, <laughs> now I'm here thinking about it, like yeah.
0: I guess you've had a nice run of support slots in 2023 you supported proto martyr on a couple of irish gigs you're currently as i'm talking to you supporting mary wallopers around the country as well is it uh is it fun being the support act getting to like relax for the main thing sit back and uh watch like the likes of mary wallopers do their thing
1: yeah, yeah so we finish early and then you can get on the cans, like so <laughs> yeah we've been you know we've been touring a lot this year and it's I, like, I love it, I really love it. I'd do it forever if I could. It's great, like like the pro and Maritur shows were so cool, like they're such a great band live, like they're just they're absolutely so exciting, you know, and like now the a lot of players as well, like, I've never seen like this chaos of... It's almost like it's borderline riots when they're playing. <laughs> you know, it's so, so brilliant. You know, I think it really does communicate to like a very deep, guttural kind of punkness that people really desire. Do you know, like I think people feel very free when they're at their shows, and, and it still somehow maintains like this kind of benevolent, like respectfulness. You know, like it, it doesn't ever seem aggressive. It just seems like kind of like punk games in the '70s or something, where people are just like really just like overwhelmed and excited
0: eat out of your hand is track number six you've already mentioned a couple of bands that you're in i think i don't know how long the list of acts that you've been in over the years is the couple that i have picked out are hex mantua land crabs pot 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 or popo i'm not quite sure how are we pronouncing that uh, uh
1: i think it's meant to be post pot but we all say papa oh, okay <laughs> And in like pop
0: pop, <laughs> pop, pop. uh th- that's uh one of the newer projects that you're Involved in? Does it feel like particularly creative time that you're having at the moment?
1: Um, well, I don't know. I just <laughs> I'm trying to think about it, <laughs> just in case, <laughs> just in case and stuff. Um, I'm just having a like having a good time, man. <laughs> just like playing as much as I can, really. Um, uh, their yeah, papa is like really good. Baseline fucking rock and roll kind of, that underground spaceman tree kind of carry on and like Mark writes everything and he's just fucking brilliant, and we had been in Self Focus together as well so it was nice to kind of work together again on something and um, like the I I've had really great times just recording and playing shows with the lads because it's like nice to be a side man for a while as well and not be not be the gaffer and. Um, and just, like, it's fucking fun, honestly.
0: <laughs> Are there other acts as well that you're making music with at the moment or other people?
1: Right now, plenty of things in the works, hopefully, in the next one. I'm trying to plan a few bits. But um, it's mainly just, like, Pop Pot and my own band and doing a few mantra bits now and again when I'm asked.
0: Do you differentiate between the music that you're making? Is it something that you think about? Or is it just like, you know, the what comes out comes out for whatever act?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's kind of like the guitar music seems to make more sense. If I just like, it's kind of like wh- whether I kind of complete it or not, maybe. um, try and like kind of be more concise than like the songier songs, if you know what I mean, will go out under my own name. And then the more free stuff would be kind of have a place for mantua. Um, cause I think the, my, my methods of, uh, working on both of them is quite different. Like with mantua, I tend to see if I can just for recorded stuff, uh, like I'll try and write and, and have it recorded within 20, 30 minutes, you know, and let that be it and not put it too much, not like finagle anything out of it. And whereas in with my own songs, then I really do try and carve them out a bit. Like, I still think that you know, it can be quite abstract in, in their concepts or whatever, or like lyrically or whatever, but yeah, try to be a bit more concise, I suppose.
0: track number seven is called stupid hipster i have to ask you why it, what is the idea behind the song called stupid hipster
1: well like the first line is i'm just a stupid hipster so it's like it's about me <laughs> um yeah i suppose it's funny because that word is so out of uh out of use now do you know yeah i suppose that was kind of a kind of very stereotypical love song but i think i had been working in a coffee shop and I'm very miserable and started writing it in that way and just, it's a very straight up I miss you, I love you. (laughs) I hate my life.
0: A track called Stupid Hipster. Uh, whether whether you or somebody else, it seems like a good time to talk about the Cork scene. I'm sure that uh, uh, you, as much as anybody, loves talking about it. I read the Bandcamp long read that was done a couple of weeks ago about Cork. How did it feel reading that back? Did it feel like, oh, there is something special in here? Now, finally, everybody gets to read about it.
1: Um, I think the fear of, like, as soon as something gets seen or acknowledge that it'll cease to exist. I don't know, it's very hard to conceptualize the scene or, you know, that word, I don't know, I don't like the word either, because it I don't know, It implies a sense of exclusion by the nature of its existence or something. And you just hope that people in Cork do feel like it's accessible to everyone to make music because like, that's how it should feel. You know, I yeah, it's like my my greatest fear off the back of something like that would be like, well there was a lot of people who weren't mentioned that are doing great things. We are very lucky with the people that are around and we have such good support systems with like Jimmy Horrigan and stuff and just like very inspiring people around the place and that really does feed into um the creation of more work. It's brilliant, like Cork is an endlessly inspiring place and like a very wildly broad like array of musicianship in town as well you know like you it can make pop stars and it can make improvised music people and you know it can can do everything
0: you already mentioned the altered hours early in our chat does cork feel like your biggest influence almost more than the likes of the 60s acts like the carpenters karen carpenter um and the other 60s acts acts that maybe get mentioned alongside your music
1: um i suppose like seeing the bonk and seeing fixity and like when percolator came through town like those are, are those three acts really stood out in my memory when i saw them live i think it informs my music as much as like elliot smith's or like mm-hmm. behavior would does. you know i think being around it and you know, going to see those bands multiple times. Same as the author was like I literally go see them every time they play in court, you know. And it's always just one of those things where you leave you leave the gig, you go home, you're like, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> you need to do more work. You know. <laughs> like and that's a great feeling where it's like, all right, I need to put the head down. Cause it's like the standard is so incredibly high. Every time you see the bunk, like it's just so interesting and challenging and like so many different routes in it, you know, coming through.
0: It's interesting that you do talk about, you know, the work that you have to put in. You mentioned earlier that it is a job. Is that how you saw things like five years ago, maybe like when you were going to see Altered hours. that, oh, maybe I'm not ready to put stuff out. Maybe I have to take my time and like, yeah, put in the work. Because sometimes you do see stuff either thrown out there and you're like, ah lads if you put in you know take it away and work on it a little bit more maybe y- you know it would be a little uh different maybe a little better or something so it this is something that you really have worked on yourself this this music it's not something that you see as like oh i can throw a song up on bandcamp i'll throw a song up
1: yeah
0: there, there's a question in there somewhere i know that I, I feel like i rambled there for a little bit but there's a question in there if you can find it i don't
1: know when i started writing song stuff i just everything felt so abstract and unfathomable and how how it works like you know and I still feel that way but like when things come out they are come out of you you're just like you know that's the closest thing to the divine I suppose in in a way of just like you know that that things can be created out of nothing you know and they can exist beyond you and like kind of you know the the whole thing of like you know songwriting has nothing to do with you personally really it's just like you're just a channel for whatever's out there I think it's like a real David Lynch idea or whatever but like I don't know I just like I just would always endeavour to be to be better at it every time because I I really do feel like uh, an amateur a lot of the time you know and it's just like and I do, I do see it as like work, like a like vocational work kind of, you know. That like, you know, like a lot of people around in Cork, you know, have like jazz backgrounds or, you know, highly trained people, and like playing with people with that level of musicianship, you know, it makes you want to be better. Always, you know, and. Um, And to just work harder. And I'm by no means a good (laughs) musician really. Yeah, I suppose like, you know, if you do if you do anything for a length of time, it'll start to change and evolve and your attitude towards it will change. Like I you know, I don't feel as soft and vulnerable as I did as a in my late teens, you know. Yeah, getting just playing a lot more shows and getting more comfortable like that really does does make a difference.
0: I guess Sineachir, the penultimate song, is one that maybe you might not have been able to do like five years ago. It's really slow. You're singing quite high. I don't know, is is that something that you wouldn't have done before, like that kind of high singing? But that restraint that's in the first three minutes of that song, anyway, is probably something that it does take a bit of confidence to do, is it?
1: I, I think the space, you know, allowing for silence, I think that's a really interesting idea and especially like anytime I've done improvised music um, live or whatever that like it is so challenging like personally when you're playing like that because like you are so like not to be crude but you're just like you're a raw dog of consciousness right there you know (laughs) like that's like pure pure moment stuff and like allowing for silence is kind of really important I think because like music is a lot of what's in between the notes too you know and I think Sin Eater, like when I play it live it, it is so uh kind of there's moments of fear in the spaces and but then it's like a breath and it's a time just to sit in it for a second and like that song is quite a, it's inspired by Jai Lament a bit and like I think the contrast of just like moments of quietness and then chaos and then doing some of that weird vocal shit which we did like I was lying on the floor of Sam's bedroom making dolphin noises probably for about half an hour trying to <laughs> figure it out I, I think that's kind of you know uh, kids last did the music for um, Space Odyssey there's I think is it was a crystal act or something there's one one piece of music that's in 2001 Space Odyssey and it's like the chorus of singers and it kind of it goes up in this weird ascension and everything is incredibly disconcerting. And I think that's kind of, Ligeti, sorry, Ligeti. Um, that's that's what I was trying to kind of figure out, but do it on my own pretty much.
0: Finally, track mm-hmm. number nine, Nothing Is Real Is The Album Closer. Was this just Rory being like, oh, this is a classic album closer. It has to go <laughs> at the end of the yeah. album. It
1: was, yeah, Rory Dale Stamp is on that one now as well, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Actually, did nothing on this album at all. I just showed up <laughs> for a minute. Yeah, nothing is real. I suppose it's kind of very shoegazy, and I think the, almost the video that I made with Zoe Greenway. Um, I kind of viewed the song in its own little world or this bubble of psychedelia, because of the work that we made together as well. Um, Zoe Greenway is absolutely amazing. She's a bass player and male as well. Just go check out her work if you haven't. Your listeners not you <laughs> yeah like for me that thing just exists in like the refraction of a bit of glass that's what i think about that song like it's it's holographic the sound of it is holographic in my mind i think you know like you think about stuff in a visual way without and not nothing else communicates that effectively sometimes um and i guess there's like there's elements of kind of like kind of Phil like be my baby-esque kind of things in there, there as well yeah that's um i think probably from listening to a lot banger Laz and stuff i think that kind of came into my head in that way just when we were, when i was kind of producing it you know
0: great well that's that's the album that we've gone through now uh nice to finally talk through it with you have you have you thought dare i ask about what's next for elaine malone
1: i'm just writing as much as i can and yeah just you can try Try and keep going, try and keep touring and music and stuff. <laughs> keep going, pretty much. <laughs> well,
0: that's, uh, that's a good, uh, good way to end it. Keep going. <laughs> um, thanks for chatting through the album and congrats on making it, releasing it, and uh, all of the plaudits that you're getting for it as well.